Welcome to Books, Kids, and Creations, a part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Tracy Bloom, and I feature people who inspire and uplift future generations with their work. Today, I have a very special guest, Susie Spray, and she is located in Australia. So it is, I mean, I was thinking about it and I thought, wow, she's kind of um, a day ahead of me now. So I feel like I'm speaking to someone in the future. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah, so you have this wonderful book, and um, I would I just want to talk about just how wonderful this book is. So um, you wrote the um, the Blue Boat, and yeah, it is such a fun book. Um, how did this book idea come about? Because um, I love it for many reasons, but I was just thinking, you know, you don't really see too many female. Um, you know, ship captains or sailors. And I was just, it's just such a special book. So how did you, how did you come up with this book? Well, I'd always wanted to write a children's story, but I never had the right topic to actually make it work. And then my husband and I started sailing across the world to Europe in what was meant to be an around the world journey. And we have two grandchildren and one of them is a little girl and I started looking for sailing stories for little girls that were actually realistic and discovered there aren't that many out there. Most of them are made about dreams mm. or imagination and even the ones for little boys are generally around the same. Otherwise, it's just this is a boat and it's all around motorboats. And I started putting things together and it just went from there into an idea that oh I can make a series about this and it can be based upon our actual journeys so that's how it all came about and it's very educational too and um it it taught me about different parts of a, sh a boat and um you know I just thought it kind of has a reminiscent tone of that old song there was a bump on a log in the in the middle of the sea you know and it like it kind yes. of has that um that feel to it is that what you're going for with it yes I wanted to to feel like you're on the sea and I find since writing it I actually realized I speak in that sort of rhythmic tone as well so it's something I think that comes naturally to me but I wanted it to sound like that boat on the sea. Yeah. And how long yeah. have you been writing for? Did this book take you a while to create or was it, did it come quickly? Um, I actually started plotting down ideas for different books starting from 2012. So as we went through each experience, I'd think, oh, I could write a book about that. And I'd jot down ideas. But it didn't go any further than that on paper. There were lots of things continually going around in my mind. But it wasn't until 2020 that I actually started being able to put it to paper properly. So we were down in New Zealand when COVID hit because we picked up another old boat. <laughs> and I had nothing with me because all we took were things for the new boat in order to get us back to Australia safely. So I had a little tablet that I 
written all my ideas on, pulled that out, grabbed out some pieces of paper and started playing with the words for this book. And probably over three weeks, it came together. And then over another two months or so, I sent it off to people to get their ideas and views, played with it a little bit more. So that took me from March 2020 to around about September 2020, and it was ready to go. So that one just fell into place. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, um, you know, so many people say, oh, I wish I could write a kid's book, or I've had this idea for a kid's book for years, but I just don't know what to do. And, and it's amazing how many people start off that way, you know, just, and then yes. it just takes the time and the courage and the, you know, just taking that first step and saying, I'm doing this, I'm going to do this. And why not me? So, and yes. I saw on your first page, you have some, um, some thank you, you know, thank you notes to those people who helped read your book and give you feedback. And the illustrations are spectacular also. So how did you, how did you meet your illustrator? Well, that's a story in itself because we have a friend and he does fantastic abstract art. And I thought his art would work really well, especially with the sea. And he did an, an artwork with the sea, having said, yes, he will do it or have a go. And the sea was spectacular, but he then had to start thinking about putting the character in and the birds and so forth. And he just came back and said, look, I'm not the right person for this. Oh. It's not what I'm envisaging for him. And he said, would you mind if I asked my friend Leslie? She does really good artwork and she's good with doing people. And I said, yep, I'm quite happy to do that. So he introduced us to Leslie and we all got around a round table and had a chat and she read through the manuscript and she said, yep, I'm happy to have a go at that. And the rest is history. She, her illustrations are unbelievable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and some of the pictures that you sent beforehand, along with the book that I was looking at, those are really inspirational too. And I just thought, oh my gosh, all the places I bet you've been. How long have you been sailing for? Well, personally, I started learning to sail in 2009 when I was 46. Okay. And I took sailing lessons in little 30 foot boats with lots of other people. I did a couple of dinghy sailing courses, which the dinghies were probably um, three metres, so about six, seven foot in length, but you always had other people on board. And that was the beginning. Then my husband and I, we left Adelaide in 2012, sailed around to Western Australia and a halfway up the coast. And by that time, the cyclone season was coming in oh. and it would have meant rushing across the Indian Ocean to beat the cyclone season. So we spent 12 months in this tiny little country town called Carnarvon, which is in the most spectacular region of South Bay. Mm. They have a yacht club and they had all these little one-man dinghies. That's how I really learned to sail. 
in 2012-2013 and then we set off and sailing big boats is very different to sailing little boats because they're a lot slower in their moving so that time we spent crossing the Indian Ocean was the time that I really learned to sail a big boat as well. It's and and sailing I mean it seems like it would be so rewarding but it also seems very challenging like you have to be paying attention a lot and um, very focused and know what you're doing and take those classes so did it take you quite some time to learn you know how to handle the bigger boats? Um, It's a matter of understanding that a large boat moves very slowly so you've got to learn to make very small adjustments Mm. as and allow that large boat to come around so in the beginning I was actually making large changes to the boat and I was suddenly finding the boat was suddenly going around on me and we had the sails doing all weird and wonderful things and once I learned to slow down and wait for it to start making a move, then make another small adjustment and let it move a little bit more, things all settled down. And once you've got it, it becomes quite an easy process. Hmm. And it's also about watching where the wind is as well, because when you have the sail up, you have to watch the wind direction because once you go too far, the sails do weird and wonderful things too. <laughs> Now, are you one of those people who can read the night sky also? No, you actually have to do a course on reading the stars. So I'm still very much in the beginner stage. And with all this modern technology, you sort of use the technology. However, my husband can read the stars because he did his um, ocean going yacht masters certificate and that course includes all of those more difficult concepts to do with sailing so I rely on him for that one because I'm not mathematically minded I'm all on (laughs) the language side of the brain (laughs) me either I bet you've seen some wonderful things together and on your journeys what are what are some of your favorite memories from all your time at sea or sailing? okay shark bay in western australia would have to be one of the most amazing places western australia is actually the oldest section of australia and one of the oldest areas in the world so you see things there that you can't see anywhere else so right down in the southern end of Shark Bay, you have an area called Hamlin's Pool, and in there they've got stromatolites. They are the oldest living organism in the world. And when you look at them, they just look like rocks, but they're actually a living organism. Ah, that was one of the things. Um, Shark Bay also has dugong, which are also known as sea cows. Oh, yeah. And so we saw them, just their shadows, because they're very slow. We saw whales coming in to mate. So we saw all the breaching as we're actually sailing the boat out. Mm. Um, They have dolphins in a little place called Monkey Mere. 
So we're sitting in the dinghy one morning and a mother dolphin came up with her little baby and we could have reached out to touch both of them. So that's Shark Bay in Western Australia. Um, we also had um, the Mascarene Islands right in the middle of the Indian Ocean. So there you've got an island of Rodrigues. It was like going back in time lifestyle-wise. Oh, cool. Um, most people rode bikes or walked everywhere. Internet was hit and miss. People would walk to the market backpacks on their backs. It was just amazing. Mm. Then you went on to Mauritius, and that one's always been something I wanted to see because it's where the dodo comes from. Oh, and we got there and it was a lovely island, but I was disappointed no because most, <laughs> most of the original habitat and most of the animal life has totally gone. Oh, no. Um, it was all ripped out for um, sugar cane and all the introduced animals helped to kill off the endemic wildlife. Um but that one holds a place in my memory because it's yeah. the first place and the first time that people actually realised they were the cause of an animal going extinct and it wouldn't be on the next island. So that was Mauritius. We also had Reunion, which was the other one of the three islands, and that's the youngest one of the Mascarenes, and it's so mountainous. It's like... 3,000 metre high mountain ranges that are all volcanic and you have everything from extinct volcanoes through to an actual live volcano and each habitat is totally different. Mm. So that was reunion. Every place we've been to, there's been some reason for it to hold a special place in one's heart. Yeah, it just seems like a lifetime of just spectacular memories that I'm sure you've both you know, collected. And of course, mm -hmm. I mean, now you can definitely see why you would want to create this exact book that you did. And it's so, it's so wonderful. And um, I do like that you had a, a little girl behind the, sh the captain's wheel and his character. Um, you know, I was listening to something today about how there's very few female pilots as well and yes. I was just thinking perfect timing I mean there's very few I, I would imagine uh female sea captains or or sailors in general so I hope that with um, your book you inspire many I'm hoping so um there are more out there than what we actually think and you only find that out when you're out there sailing but at the same time we are still very few. And when you actually watch couples sailing the boats, it's generally the male that has the control and females have very little to do with it. And the sailing world itself is still very male-oriented. And some of the stories you read and hear from women that are out there wanting to learn, but the males treat them like they're imbeciles is unbelievable. Um, so the captain in my story 
is initially she started out as my husband because he knows everything and as time went on it morphed into the me I am learning to be and want to be as a sailor but I'm using the knowledge I've learned from my husband and his skills as being the captain at the same time mm. in order to give little girls that knowledge that, yes, you can dream big and be a sea captain if that's what you want to be or be something else in another male-oriented world. Yes. Do you have, do you have any kind of um, book plans laid out? Like, are you doing any author visits? Um, it's been a really difficult year to get anything in that going. So I did a few library visits at the beginning. Um, we're doing the very first Australian book fair, which is taking place in Sydney in November on the 26th, 27th of November. Oh. We were really lucky to get to do that one. So we're in the process of planning for that. Um, I've put out that I'm taking bookings to do either Zoom interviews or Zoom sessions with librarians and school teachers. And so that's still in the early stages. When we're able to, I'm quite happy to do in-person school visits as well. So that's all in the early stages of coming into being because I only put that out a month or so ago. Yeah. Um, I've also got um, information packs. Oh, so there's one for parents with activities as well. There's one for parents, teachers. Um, the one for teachers is aligned to the Australian national standards, but it's also very easy for teachers in other areas or countries to align it to their own standards. I've got one for childcare and kindies and one for librarians and they're all free and they're available for download when people sign up to the web page. Now the web page is still an interim page. The work's going on to make it right up to a fully working page, but they can still sign up and get those free, choose a free download. Then I've got a 71 page teacher resource pack wow which so the free one is a sample from the 71 page which is a paid for book pack and then I've got a pre-writing pack 74 pages or something in that one which is also a paid pack so they're all out there to go with the book itself and for the parents there's also an activity book which is also available on Amazon. So there's quite a bit out there that links in to the storybook itself. That's fantastic. And I'm sure that there's so many teachers that are going to just have a great time with those available um, lesson plans and all the things that you've probably taken a lot of time and effort to create. So um, yeah. I, I'm sure that you will do extremely well at your upcoming book festival. That's so exciting. Um, I always ask people before, before we conclude, 
Um, what advice do you have for future generations? And this could be future generations who want to do what you do or just in general. Okay, well, don't be afraid to dream big. Follow your dreams. And if roadblocks come up, don't let those roadblocks stop you from following your dreams. Just because something is hard to do or causes a roadblock to happen now doesn't mean that you're not going to succeed at it down the track. Um, I've always dreamt of wanting to sail and never thought it was going to happen, but then the opportunity arrived and suddenly I'm sailing and then I've written a book which I never thought I would actually be able to bring to publication. So don't be afraid to dream big, follow the dreams and live life to your fullest. It's too short not to. Such good words of advice for, for little ones and grown-ups too. I mean, yeah. I feel like um, even when there's something that you feel like it's just kind of pulling at you to go try it or do it or you know, take the, that first step. It's it's usually po poking at you for a reason, you know. So that's such good words. That's it. Yeah. Well, thank you, um, Susie. It has been so much fun having you here today. I'm so excited that I got to sit down with you, and thank you for sharing your wonderful book. Um, we will post a link to um, where folks can pick up your book, and um, Again, you will be at the uh, Sydney Book Festival in November with all yes. of your wonderful information and your books. So thank yes. you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I have really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.